I actually dusted off a message that I wanted to use. And the first time that I used this message, uh, I was doing a, a conference down in Kansas. And I didn't get many opportunities that way. But uh, several, a couple different fellowships would get together, and, and uh, every year we'd, we'd do some stuff. And I, I had an opportunity to go down there one year, and I got the, the keynote session. And the joke of the week was, who's John Tuttle? Nobody knew who I was. And I was in my early 30s, and I really should not have had that session. But um, God used it anyway, and it was a good thing. Well, the next time I went back, um, I didn't get the key session. I got an afternoon session. And uh, I felt like the Lord had given me this message, but it didn't make sense to me in the moment. And uh, I had titled it, What Can God Do for an Ugly Girl? Which is, I've softened that up some. Uh, I, I won't be using that anymore. But what happened in that session was that most of the pastors took off for the afternoon and, and their wives were all there. So it worked out, it, it worked out really well, actually. <laughs> Give me some room. I'll get there. I know I've dug a hole. but uh, I, I want to talk about being unloved this morning. And uh, it's a significant thing to, to walk through this passage. Um, Beauty is often associated with women in the Bible, right? Sarah apparently was a, a, a beautiful woman, Rebecca. Um, you have Queen Esther, you have Abigail, you have Job's daughters. It, you know, there's, there's numerous ones that are called out because of their beauty. And, and even Peter, in his epistle, says, be careful, it's not just about outward beauty, it's inside as well. So he's just saying, you know, we, we tend to get focused on, on the shells, so to speak, but there's more. And so that said, um, you know, even, I, I tried out Song of Solomon on Shar. Um, there's a verse that, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it didn't go quite as well as, this, as it did in the scripture. You know, you, you're beautiful, oh, my darling. You know, that, okay. Uh, your eyes are like doves. And, and uh, your hair's like goats coming down the hill. Uh, I don't know why she just didn't respond to all that. <laughs> but, you know, read her the scripture. <laughs> okay, enough. The story of Jacob with Leah and Rachel it's kind of a, an amazing story. Jacob is called the grabber and the deceiver, and he's deceived Esau enough that Esau wants to kill him as soon as dad dies. In fact, he, he fooled his father with his mother's help. And he takes off running, and he lands at his mother's brother's house. And he meets uh, one of the daughters, Rachel, immediately, and I, I'm, I don't know if it was love at first sight, but we're told that uh, they were gathering the, the sheep for, uh, to water them in, 
Jacob goes, why aren't you watering? Well, the stone has to be rolled away, and it appears that they're all waiting to get enough people to roll it off, and he sees Rachel coming, he rolls it off himself. And so I'm guessing that he was inspired. Um, but that said, he goes and lives with Laban and his daughters for about a month, and Laban comes to him and says, well, it's not really right that you should work for free. What would you like um, you know, if, if you work for me? And Jacob says, I want your younger daughter, Rachel. I'll work seven years for her. And uh, they make a deal. So he's going to work seven years to get this gal as his wife. And now, <laughs> back in the day, they married cousins pretty regularly. So don't get freaked out. And I don't care to go into that very far. There's still a couple states that allow it here. I know because I lived in one of them at one point. <laughs> um, but the verse that I want to, to start with is that the statement is made about Leah. Um, her eyes were tender. This translation says tender. Uh, other translations say weak. And then the contrast is her sister who says, was, had a lovely figure and beautiful appearance. Wow. <laughs> what a bummer. What? It's like, okay, God, the younger sister got the beauty and the older one got the weak eyes. It just doesn't seem right, does it? And the guy that comes around who's available ends up falling in love with the gorgeous one. And you're going, okay, that doesn't seem very fair to me in God's economy, right? But I would put it out to you that virtually every one of us at times has had body issues or physical appearance things where we didn't we weren't quite happy with the way we looked right i <laughs> as a pastor i often hear things right and i've had numerous beautiful women through the years hate their eyes hate their nose hate their face hate their legs hate you know and i just you're gorgeous. What are you talking about? But this is, <laughs> how would you like to be famous in the Bible for weak eyes? So that said, um, it, it, the story gets worse because Jacob works for the seven years and he says, okay, I'm ready. Let's get married. You know, I've, I've fulfilled my commitment. And Laban says, okay. On the wedding night, Leah, the other daughter, is brought to Jacob, and he doesn't figure it out. And Now, the Bible doesn't say why. You know, now, they didn't have lights like we do. 
maybe he was drunk. I, I, who knows? But he didn't figure it out until the morning. And he goes, what? <laughs> what have you done? You know? And, and Laban, who is a cheat for sure, but he said, oh, it's, it's the custom here. We always give away the older daughter first. Now, the agreement was for the younger one, and you know he made the agreement, so this is not full honesty. But uh, that said, he, he goes, well, work for me another seven years, and you can have Rachel after this initial wedding week. And you're going, that, that's making a bad situation even worse, right? But the deal is struck. And uh, he, it says, Jacob slept with Rachel as well. He also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked that extra seven years. So that's the setting that... This gal has gone, you know, she's, she's not only not as good looking as her sister, now she's married to the man who really doesn't love her, that she, she well, she participated in the scam, but now she's trapped. And she is watching her sister, who is loved, every day. And this tension is going on. And it says that the Lord saw that Leah was unloved and he gives her a son. So Reuben the first is born and she makes this declaration, the Lord has looked with pity on my oppressed condition. Surely my husband will love me now. So she's making a declaration about her life and she says, you know, I'm producing a son. Surely he'll be happy with me. Then she has another son, Simeon, and she goes, God has heard me. God has heard that I'm unloved. So this is an ongoing situation, right? She is, she is having children, but it's, she's just going, this is a bad situation. Child number three. Now this time my husband will show me affection because I've given birth to three sons. She's still dialed into this and there's that hope saying, you know, now we'll be united. Now there'll be this good union. Son number four. There's a turning taking place. And she says, I will praise the Lord. It's, this is intriguing to me because the outward circumstance really hasn't changed, but there appears to be a, a change going on in her heart. And she's beginning to, to, to be, look beyond her situation, so to speak. Well, Rachel... I don't know if she senses that Leah is no longer bothered by this. I don't know what was going on. But she is 
beside herself. And she's telling Jacob, give me a child or I'll die. And he goes, and he gets hot with anger. He's going, I'm not in the place of God. You see a clash going on between the one that's loved and the beautiful one and and the husband. And uh, so, (laughs) it's Old Testament. Rachel gives her servant to Jacob to be a wife in place so that she could get children through the servant. And a son is born. She names him Dan. She calls vindicate. God's vindicated me. He's, you know, he's given me this place. And, uh, and then there's another one born through this same gal. And she, she names him Naphtali for my wrestling. But here's the declaration. I have fought a desperate struggle with my sister and I've won. She is still dialed in to the local, right? And this isn't the declaration of a happy life. She's in a fight, and she's wanting to win. That's all she knows. Well, Leah gets involved, and she gives her servant to to Jacob. This is number four. And she has a son. And Leah goes, I'm so fortunate. Are you catching this? The transition? And then there's another one through Zilpah. And she goes, how happy I am, for all women will call me happy. She's stepping beyond her situation. Now, there's still, still struggles going on. There's a story of mandrakes. I don't really even know why that was so special. But uh, Reuben goes out and finds some, and Rachel says, I want those. And Leah goes, isn't it enough that you took my husband? Now you want this too? And Rachel goes, fine, you can sleep with him tonight. So... Basically, that says that Leah has already been shut out. And, you know, all of this drama is going on. And and so, Leah has another son. And she goes, God has granted me my reward. She's she's happy. And then she has, (laughs) there's another son born to her, number six. And she goes, God has given me a good gift. She says, my husband will honor me because of this. But she's, she's saying, God has provided for me. And then finally, she has a daughter, and she names her Dinah. It's like for just or fair. And it's kind of that idea of God is fair. God's just. You know, she's she's had a full transition in her heart. 
And she's looking at her situation as being okay. Good even. Well, Rachel finally has her first son through her. What's the comment from the beautiful woman that's loved by her husband? Uh, God's taken away my shame. Give me another one. I want more. There's not the sign of true happiness there. And then she has a second son. And she says, I'll name this one Benoni, son of my sorrow. And it says the father changes his name to Benjamin. She ends up dying in childbirth. So for wanting all these child, she ends up dying with this second son. Tragedy. I, I, I go back through that, and I'm looking, okay, Leah. Not the prettiest girl on the block, at, at minimum. Or even in the family. She, at least, she has a more vivacious sister, put it that way. Her father's a liar and a cheat. She's sold by her father. Remember when Jacob was fleeing Laban? The gals go, he sold us and used that up years ago. We're with you. Let's go. The marriage starts with a big lie. She's an unwanted, unloved woman. She's in a competitive relationship with her sister that there's no way to get out of. And yet somehow, in the birth of her sons and her daughter, she seems to get over her sorrow. The story doesn't just end there. She has a few years with her husband by herself after Rachel dies. You remember when Joseph was saying, I had this dream that the sun, moon, and stars all bowed down to me, and his father goes, what are you saying? Your mother and I are going to bow down to you? That would have been Leah. Rachel was already gone. And, and let's take it a bit further. When she dies, she's placed in the family tomb. And Jacob, when he dies at the end of... Abraham and Sarah are there, Isaac and Rebekah. And Jacob makes the, the, the declaration when he's in Egypt, take my body back, bury me beside Leah there at the family cemetery. And you think, well, that's the end of the story, except that the priests and the kings of Israel both came from Leah's children. Remember the tribe of Levi? The priesthood? That was one of her sons. Now the original king is from Rachel's child, uh, the Benjamin. That was Saul, but from then on it was David's line, right? So you have David and his sons following as king. Then you have the Messiah from the line of David. 
So that was coming from Leah as well. And you're looking and going, well, the Lord is a lot more complex. And the issues of life are more detailed than maybe what we put together. But even in a situation where we may feel unloved or uncared for or, or where we're lacking what others have, there's still an opportunity for us to experience the peace and joy of God in a way that overcomes those situations. And I look at that because that's about as extreme an example as I can give you. I mean, even, even Rebecca, on the other hand, she's the one who is gorgeous. She's the one who got the guy who really loved her. It says he worked seven years and it was like a day to him because he was so in love with her. And it doesn't really say that that diminishes. Yet she's the one that picks up idolatry or is associated with idolatry in the family. Later on, they get rid of them. But it doesn't appear that she ever truly found happiness. Even though this odds seem to be stacked in her favor. So I ask you, what seems unfair in your life? <laughs> what what doesn't seem right? And what situation have you been put into that you can't change? Or what things have you gotten involved in that maybe you should have spoken up and you didn't and now it's like too late to reverse? And do you believe that God can work through that as well? And bring blessing, not just survival. What can God do for an unloved girl? What can God do for us? I thank you for your scripture that speaks life. Thank you for these illustrations of your working in others. Now I ask that for each one here there be that sense that you truly do care. And you do see. And you do provide. And that you are actively involved in every detail of our lives. Amen. I'd like to pray for God's blessing upon you. If God thinks that you're beautiful, would you be willing to hear it? <laughs> Interesting question, isn't it? May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. Discover with joy what it is to be loved by you. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. 
Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.